This is a piece by a guy named Larry Taunton. Larry who? Never heard of her. What sort of a man is he? Pick from Bama. A man like any other, but more so. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Let's light this candle. Welcome in to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am Amy Beth Shaver. This is your man in the field. And in the field today, we're talking about something very important. Of course, we're going to talk about the election. But we're also going to talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts. And I don't know if everybody's ready for this discussion. I, I don't know. But how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I am uh, I'm doing very well after some interesting travel. And I think you had a little bit of your own. So... Yes. Um, Light on me. What's uh, what's on your mind? Biscuits. Biscuits. All right. I mean, biscuits. Now, look, we are in the American South. I understand that. Um, And there are places that, as you mentioned this morning, serve sad biscuits. Yes. But there are places that we think serve delicious biscuits. And I said, and you did not disagree with me. So I'm very interested in our (laughs) fabulous audience and our listeners letting us know where their favorite biscuits are. This could turn into a tour, you understand. Um, of their favorite biscuits, but there's a place in Birmingham, and I didn't know they did this. Like I, I didn't even know where they slice the biscuits. They drench them in butter. I'm, I'm already you know, in. <laughs> you know where this is. No, I, and then I, I they don't. Grill them. They grill them and then put them on your plate with the most perfect scrambled eggs you've ever had. Is, is this Dimitri's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dimitri's, um, and I think Dimitri's just has one location, right? Yeah, I, mean, they, they have, I think they just have one. I don't know. I'm usually the last person to find out okay, about D- things. Dimitri's, for those who are listening, in Birmingham, Alabama, there's a barbecue um, spot in downtown Homewood called D- Dimitri's. But Dimitri's, unlike most barbecue places, serves breakfast. Yes. And they serve a, a, a great breakfast. I'm all in on that. You know, the biscuit, it's interesting to me because the biscuit is is really uniquely Southern. And like barbecue, which is uniquely Southern, um, I would argue, those who are not in the South misuse the words barbecue and biscuit. They'll call a bun barbecue. They'll call sloppy joe, excuse me, they'll call a bun a biscuit um, or anything, you know, bready um, that you would eat in the morning. Um, and they'll call a sloppy joe barbecue. Yeah, which is not. Which is not barbecue. That's sloppy joe. That's from the North. This is, this is, it's... Bless you. I love it's, sloppy joes, but that's not barbecue. It's a bless you moment. It is, uh, it is so true. And real biscuits. And, and I feel like the art is being lost just a little bit. Like when I was growing up, we were we were talking about this in the break room upstairs. <laughs> but um, It's a very fancy break room. Yes, a know. very, very fancy break room. But when I was growing up, a lot of a lot of the mom's you know, made mm-hmm. could they made homemade biscuits. They knew they they understood the assignment. They knew how to make them, and um, you know, I I had <laughs> this is so funny. You know how you think as a kid, but I'd be thinking I'm spending the night at so and so's house this weekend. His mom. <laughs> she- <laughs> She makes the best biscuits or she makes, you know, the best yes. fried chicken, you know, or whatever. And you, you, you that factored into your decision as Absolutely. to where, as to where you went. And um, so you had favorite moms, you know, by dads were kind of irrelevant because they're almost never home. And, you know, moms were the caregivers That's right. and they were the ones who, you know, did or didn't let you do anything and this kind of stuff. But the biscuit, I can think of Martha Carter, mm. uh, still, still, uh, she's still out there. Uh, one of my mom's dear friends, her son was a very dear friend of mine. Send biscuits. She could make biscuits. A woman by the name of Donna Jimenez. Oh, wow. Her biscuits. <laughs> the best. I mean, what mm. can you say? You know, I mean, it, I told you th- <laughs> and you, you didn't laugh at me because this is the way I judge if people take their biscuit seriously. I said, you know what? I think they're going to be served at the wedding supper of the lamb. Like I yeah. think Jesus, when we get there, he's going to be like, I am. Why not? First of all, we're going to fall down. <laughs> we're going to be so excited. We're there. And, and then he's going to go here. Oh, and then my husband talks about his lowly. So his great grandmother's ability to make, no, it's grandmother's ability to make these little things. And and please, when I say this, you'll know what I'm saying, because it's, again, it's American South, hoe cakes or griddle cakes made with the cornbread. Mm. 
and then fried them up nice and thin, slathered, not just in butter. I like the word slathered. Like, slathered, but they were <laughs> they were word. baked in lard and then slathered oh, with yes. butter. So I, being the newlywed wife, this is many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he gives you the recipe book yeah. and says, you must learn yeah, this. Yeah, you got to learn how to do these. And so one night I thought, oh, he's had a really hard week. I will make his lowlies little things. <laughs> and he was so sweet. And I was like, it's not it, isn't it? He was like... Um, but no. have you have you mastered it now? Oh no, absolutely not. No. no, isn't it a funny thing because my grand, but I can make good cornbread. Yeah, yeah well, I can make which good cornbread. Requires a wait, it's a like lot a of cast butter. iron, um, cast iron, um, butter, and love um, pan. Yeah, but yes, um, I it was funny because my grandmother on my dad's side, she's southern, very southern, Tallahassee, Alabama. Oh my word! My grandmother could make the best cornbread. Pound cake and oh, fried stop, chops. Stop. And my mom mastered them all. Mm. She, my, my mom is maybe even out has outdone her on uh, on the pound cake now. Oh, oh. But the um, golly, growing up with growing up with with that stuff, you know. I know you guys are ready for us to get to something <laughs> more substantive. But food, and as you're driving down the road, but let me just say that my grandmother and mother were the queens of the pie. Okay. And that was that was their specialty. I always I always got the impression that that pie crust was hard. It is very to hard. Do. It is very hard to do, and that was the signature of the ladies in my family was pie in the crust, whether it was banana cream or chocolate. Are they still living? Uh, my grandparents are not. But my mom and her sisters are, and so at Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is when they throw down with the pie. And so coming into our so they've house, mastered it. they've mastered it. Okay, then I have a request. That banana cream oh, that you just mentioned. Now, I, you know what? Banana cream is my I am, fave. I am putting in an order right now <laughs> Done. for banana cream. I, can, I have not. I can attempt. I have not met her, but I just want to say in advance I like her very much. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm telling you. (laughs) Banana cream is awesome. (laughs) Because it was, you know, we weren't, we were from the North and moved South when I was an infant. And so there are things that, that we brought with us and it was, it was the pie and my grandparents moved South. And so they could throw down, but the joke is around our family is kids would come over and, and they may not get anything for breakfast because I told you I made sad biscuits and put too much baking powder in them, baking soda, turn them purple. It it is a funny little thing that it's weird that some women who are great cooks can't make biscuits. Or, or there's just a, a certain something here and there that they can't make. I can't, in I can't spite make it. Of, and my mom, my mom would say that. My mom would say that uh, I, I don't know anything because I don't cook anything. But I just I listen to these things because my ears would pick up because these things mattered to me. <laughs> so uh, uh, my mom would say that biscuits were a bit of an art. They, they are an art. I agree a hundred percent with that. And that they're they're uh, apparently some of them are are uh, are more difficult than others. But today. <laughs> Today, Amy Beth Shaver, very dear to my heart, she brought not one, but two sacks, this is plural, full of biscuits, which are in our illustrious break room right now. I've already eaten two. (laughs) And uh, then, of course, Matt, the producer, brought Krispy Kremes. You know, on top of that, I've already eaten two. (laughs) And so, you know, I am sitting here. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. And... uh, I'm already I'm already full. But this is the stuff that we have to do in order to give ourselves the energy and just a little bit of happiness before we start discussing <laughs> the so very true. corrupt nature of American of the American political process these days. It feels like we have become a third world country. It, it, it indeed does. So you put some tweets out that were very good and very spot on. And you talked about just the steal and the, we're going to have a pause on voting. And I noticed that several people were saying the same things. And it does feel like we've become a third world country. I don't know how in the United States of America in 2022 that we do not know how to count ballots within an evening. Okay. America has talent can count millions of votes in a commercial break. But you know what? We can't count we can't count these ballots. I guess they don't have enough fingers and toes. They must in, not. In order to do this in Maricopa County, uh, in Arizona, uh, Arizona, 
We out there in Arizona. <laughs> it feels like it right now, though, don't it? <laughs> um, well, out there in Arizona, the the inability to um, to count there, you have uh, the same thing that is going on in Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, so that people will know, this will be aired obviously later, and so some of what we say may may prove to be inaccurate. We we don't know. We We're want offering, to be wrong. We want we want to be wrong. But um, so at, at the time of the recording of this particular episode, it is the day after the November 8 election. And excuse me, the producer is waving at me and telling me it's two days later, whatever it is. Um, so we're a couple of days after the, uh, the, after the fact and uh, time flies when you're having fun or not much fun at all or when you're traveling as, uh, as was the case with me. But um, so just bear that in mind as you listen that we're time stamping this. And so the date today is the 10th. So um, by the time this airs, this stuff is going to shake out. But as the way it looks at the moment, it looks like we're seeing um, uh, an effort to prevent Carrie Lake That's from right. becoming the governor of Arizona. And it feels like we're following the pattern that Democrats have followed since 2020, which is when it's it looks like we're going to lose, we stop all the counting. Mm-hmm. We then tell everybody, this is, don't try this at home, everyone. This is very complicated. We're, we still have all kinds of uncounted mail-in ballots. And, uh, you know, it feels to me like Carrie Lake should have won this in a landslide, but all of a sudden the, the, the counting has become extremely complicated. And, uh, of course, Katie Hobbs, um, the current, the, the incumbent, uh, governor of Arizona, she also oversees the election process. She mm. refused to she refused to recuse herself from that role. And yes, hmm, that all looks highly, highly suspicious. It was astounding. And it seems that it also follows a pattern that when someone who is as brave as Carrie Lake is, and they tried this with DeSantis, but they couldn't make it happen because he is so strong. And he looked them in the face throughout his first four years and just stood them down. Like, that's the best you've got. Yeah. Carrie Lake is doing the same thing. Yeah. And it seems to me that the pattern is if somebody like Trump is willing to say, that's ridiculous, yeah, and stand up to them, then it becomes their personal mission to destroy that person. So stop the voting until we figure out the right percentage so it looks less suspicious, yeah. so that maybe it's 4,703 votes yeah. that we need yeah. to overcome yeah. our... That's you know, what maybe it feels like. a slight like. gap. And so you watch it and you think, y'all really think we're a bunch of dumb idiots, don't you? Yeah. But I find but it very is, interesting. They know they, 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 they... Let's go to our commercial break. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Welcome into the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Larry, this is... You, we talked about food a while ago. And and we may need some to get through what happened on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning with the election in the United States. We need we may need some pot brownies. <laughs> <laughs> he said them. That's Larry at. No, I mean really. What what's your assessment of what happened? Um, you know, I'm angry, Amy Beth, and we want to be clear of the timing. You know that we're talking yeah. right now because by the time this airs. There will, you know, some time will elapse. Um, it is uh, it is now November 10th. We're a couple of days post-election. We still are having counts going on in Arizona. We have counts going on in Colorado. Um, you know, America's Got Talent can um, count millions and millions of ballots uh, in a commercial break. But our federal and state and local governments can't count ballots uh, in in days. Apparently, I, I think that what's going on is we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of corruption in American politics. And for those of you who are listening um, and think that this is just conspiracy theory here, uh, you need to listen carefully. <laughs> um, We saw going into this election in the days leading up to it. In fact, I 
I took screenshots. Let me see if I can find them here of several um, headlines going into the election. Here, here they are. CBS News, why the 2020 midterm election results may not be known right away. Mm. Uh, NPR, be patient. This election is probably going to go on a while. Vox, we won't know all the midterm results on election night. That's normal. It's normal, ladies and gentlemen, since 2020. Yeah, it's not normal. It's not normal. ABC News, a red mirage or an artificial GOP vote lead will likely reoccur Tuesday, but early election night results may not indicate final tallies and why that's okay. So it feels to me like um, the DNC has given their marching orders to the media, prepare the public for delayed results in those elections where we're likely to to lose in a fair vote. So for instance, what's happening between Katie Hobbs and um, Carrie Lake. I personally am of the view, just expressing my opinion, that that Carrie Lake probably has legitimately won this in a landslide. Mm-hmm. But Katie Hobbs is the incumbent in Arizona. She has not recused herself from overseeing election results. So she's in charge of the election where she has obvious... Um, you know, motivation uh, to rig the results. I mean, she should have recused herself. She refuses uh, to do that. So now all of a sudden we're seeing delays of days and we're we're still hearing that it may take yet longer to get the results. Now, what I think is going on is we're seeing banana republic kind of politics. Um, And why I feel anger over this, Amy Beth, is it's not just simply anger at what I believe is Democrat shenanigans. It is anger that Republicans, in my view, still don't get it. Yes. Meaning after, I think a lot of us were, were blindsided by the kind of corruption that we know factually, was factually reported is we have video evidence of of voter fraud in many states, in many cases, during the 2020 presidential election. Um, So we were all kind of caught off guard by that. And I think it's because Americans generally believe in their institutions and trust their institutions. But after 2020, no one should have been caught off guard by this. In other words, we, we now have been given a heads up that this is what Democrats are prepared to do. Mm-hmm. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And yet it seems to me that what Republicans decided to do was, you know what? We're going to campaign harder. We're going to spend more money on ads. We're going to hold more rallies. This is not what Democrats do. If you noticed in 2020, Biden barely campaigned. The joke was that he was hiding in his basement while Trump is is, is um, hosting these massive Massive rallies. Mm-hmm. Carrie Lake, the same thing in, in Arizona this election cycle, is um, she was hosting these huge rallies while Katie Hobbs was doing virtually nothing. And the polling data indicated that Carrie Lake was, you know, was ahead, mm-hmm. indicated that Trump was ahead, indicated a quote unquote red wave. And we saw it on election night in 2020. And then suddenly the votes stopped being counted. You remember that around 8 p.m. I mean, PM. It's unbelievable. Yeah, just all of a sudden the vote stopped across the country. Yeah. And then the next morning we're told <laughs> Joe Biden won. Right. Now, I'm angry because those same tactics are being used again here, and Republicans don't seem to get it. Mm-mm. They don't understand. No. Uh, it's like Lucy is holding the football right. and saying to Charlie, Charlie, I promise this time I won't move right. the ball. That's right. And Charlie says to himself, you know, I can trust Lucy. I'm sure, I'm sure I can trust her. And then, you know, he, uh, you know, again, whiffs it and, you know, and, and ends up uh, on, on his back. I feel like that's what's happening here because what, what Democrats have done is that they target the levers of power. Mm. They go out and while, while the rallies are being held by Republicans, Democrats who care nothing at all for, for the will of the people... 
they have targeted election laws. And so when we're talking about election rigging here, I want to be clear what I'm talking about. In some cases, we're talking about genuine corruption. In other cases, we're talking about them working at changing election law yes, so that something becomes legal but is clearly unethical, like ballot harvesting. We know they're doing this in a, in a very big way. We have this on record. We also know that you know during the pandemic, they used the pandemic to say, well, people don't need to come in and vote. That's right. It all needs to be done by um, you know mail-in ballot, which means that there's no one there to personally identify that you are who you are. Eric Metaxas reported on Twitter that when he went to vote on Tuesday of this week, he went in and he said they did not ask for his you know, his identification, which they're supposed to in New York. Right. And so he pointed out to the lady, why did you not ask for my ID? And she said, are you a Republican? I mean, she's immediately, she, oh, she wanted word. to identify him and who he was. This is the kind of pro- project Veritas has uncovered, you know, as they do these, these, uh, um, conversations with election officials who are declaring that they're up to no good. So before somebody, you know, decides to tweet me or fire off an email suggesting that this is conspiracy theory, this is not theory. This is fact. We know this is happening. And if you're one of those people out there who wants to try to tell me that this sort of stuff doesn't, doesn't, uh, it doesn't happen just turn off the TV right now, turn off your radio, <laughs> turn off your, your iPod. I cannot reason with an idiot. I mean, that's just simply the way I feel. A former governor, the late former governor of the state of Alabama, Albert Brewer, who it was my great privilege. You, you probably met him and knew him as well. I had a class well. with him. Alabama history. I had him for one of the best classes I ever had. Mm-hmm. You're in a class Fascinating. of 13 to 15 people with a former governor who tells you all of these inside stories. But one of the stories I remember him telling me, Governor Brewer, who was, uh, he was dear to me. He, uh, he wrote me a beautiful recommendation um, for a job I was applying for. Um, anyway, that's, a, that's another matter. But Governor Brewer, I remember him telling me that his party, he was a Democrat, so bear this in mind. He was a lifelong Democrat, but he was an honest man. He was a man of integrity. And... Uh, I remember him telling me that in the 68 election that the Democrats cheated and cheated and cheated. And he said, Larry, they took whole voting machines. He was talking specifically in Texas. He said uh, this when LBJ was, mm-hmm. you know, was running um, for, for the uh, presidency. He said they took whole voting machines and dumped them into liver, uh, livers, into rivers, Lake a liver is a, a combination of a river and a lake, right. a, uh, a into <laughs> rivers, lakes, and ponds. Um, just dumped whole voting machines. Now, this is a Democrat who's telling you he knows this happened. And I want to be clear Albert Brewer did not approve. He was a man who respected our institutions, he respected the will of the people. Um, and would never, never approve of something like that. But he knew that it happened. He knew that these things were going on. And that's in 68. Hmm. If you think that that's not going on now, if you think that the people who would burn your cities, who would sexualize your children, who would do uh, um, sex change, gender transition surgeries, irreversible on children, um, that people like this will not rig elections you are naive or stupid or both mm. because these things are going on and they're going on in a massive scale. And uh, listen, I had Steve Cortez sitting right there not very, uh, not very long ago. Um, and, uh, you know, a week or two ago and Steve, I love Steve. Steve is a senior Trump advisor and he is a clever guy. And Steve going into the election was much more optimistic, um, than I am. And I asked Steve, you know, he thought it would be a red wave. And uh, I, I want to believe that's true, but I've, I'm much more cynical about this than Steve is. Let's just say that Steve is, is, <laughs> is less jaded <laughs> yeah. by the world perhaps than I am. But I just felt like 
Democrats are going to cheat their way to multiple victories. In Georgia, you know, we're, we've been seeing this a lot you know, in, in, in the state of Georgia. But again, a lot of this is being done with mail-in ballots. We have to get to, I was, in fact, I was talking with Steve today, and he's absolutely right about this. We have to get to the place where there are massive election reforms. And those reforms involve no mail-in ballots except, you know, in cases, and this is, of course, the way it used to be, in cases of, let's say, military service, mm-hmm. or you're in the foreign service or, you know, diplomatic service. But otherwise, you have to be there in person. Yes. And you have to show your ID or you do not vote. And I believe that a lot of these polls that we're seeing where it says right now, I mean, for instance, right now they're reporting that uh, I checked it just before we went on air that Katie Hobbs is ahead in, um, you know, in uh, Arizona, like 50.5% to 49.5%. I do not believe that. I believe these splits that we're seeing all over the place that would suggest the country is almost evenly divided. I don't believe the country is evenly divided. The, the, the inventor of Twitter said that Twitter was created in order to give the impression that the left had a much larger voice in the marketplace of ideas than, in fact, they actually do. I mean, he admitted this, that that they, they turn a few knobs mm-hmm. here and there. We all know that this is the case in the right. way that Twitter has been managed and that Elon Musk at least promises that he's going to change this. We'll find out whether or not he actually does. I haven't, frankly, noticed any difference as yet in this. But that Twitter was created, again, to give a minority, a radical minority, a much larger cultural voice. And in order to give people like you and me the impression, wow, Mm -hmm. I had no idea that there were all these transgender people out there. Wow, they, they, they dominate the culture. Um, I had no idea that all these Marxists, well, the fact is there aren't. That's right. And I think that that's what we're seeing. That same kind of thing is what's being done in our in some of our polling, in some of this election data, in some of the reports on the voting that's taking place. Democrats are releasing, you know, um, piecemeal votes from blue counties, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. in order to give that false impression. When I think, and again, I'm just offering my opinion, I think Katie Hobbs has been steamrolled. But right now they're they're suppressing the Cary Lake vote and they're trying to get a read on how many votes they need from yes. mail-in ballots yep. in order to 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 pull out a Katie Hobbs victory. So as we sit right here, and, and by the time people listen to this, you'll be able to tell me I'll I, in other words, I won't hold this show back to, to save myself from any embarrassment. If it proves that I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. But as I'm sitting here today right now, I think that in the next day or two, we will be told it's final. We can report from the CNN desk that Katie Hobbs has pulled out a squeaker of a victory mm-hmm. in Arizona. I just don't believe they're going to let Carrie Lake win. I just I do not believe that's what's going to happen. But again, I hope I'm wrong. So a couple of things. I find it interesting and agree with you that when it comes to the left, Um, they had to make us feel like we are less than and we're the crazy ones. Mm -hmm. We're election deniers. Yes, I heard that again in several reports that we were election deniers because we questioned the, um, you know, election. And then I'm like, okay, um, Stacey Abrams? Um, didn't concede. Like it's all over the board. If you're a progressive, it's okay. But if you're a conservative, yeah, well, it's Hillary not Clinton okay. in 2016 I mean, was Clinton, everywhere you know, saying that it was a, well, a fraudulent election. She did, and so so you notice that. So they have to label. But I also find it interesting that going back for years, the left changes the language of what they wish to change. Yes. And they change definitions mm-hmm. of what they wish to change. And so we're seeing it here. We saw it beginning, I think, with abortion. And they started changing the language of choice. 
Well, and it's actually changing in your dictionaries, and too. It, it's changing. The, the word fascism, I've noticed, has changed yes. from when I was taught what fascism is to now, uh, when you look at an actual dictionary, they've changed the definition to try to make it sound like a, a MAGA hat wearing type. That's right. That's yep. exactly right. Yep, this is happening. And, and I'm looking around and I'm A man I'm or thinking, a woman. <laughs> yeah, a man or a woman. Like, And then you laugh, and I was thinking about this on the way here today. I thought, well, this is really funny. I'm reading Abigail Schreier's book on transgender craze and how it's seducing our children, especially our daughters. Sounds riveting. <laughs> I mean, it is, she's a beautiful writer, by the way, yeah. but it's, it's unbelievable that, yeah, that no offense. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but you, you, Chris is like, are you really reading that book? I'm like, yes, it's actually, actually very good. But that language change that they're using is astounding, but also the change in definitions. And yet the irony is, this is just an aside. I'm thinking, hmm, transgenderism, you have to know what a woman is or a man is to know that you're not that, you know, so they're easily, you can punch back, but nobody ever does. Yeah. And then if you do like Carrie Lake did, like Trump did, they will destroy you. Yeah. They cannot afford to let Carrie Lake win. They can't do it. No, because she's smart. She's smart. She's, she's beautiful. Darn her. And so she can't have any of these things yep. because she's not afraid of them. And they make bank when we stay afraid. And so if you are a conservative, I think one of the things that we need to do is reread Rules for Radicals, if you haven't read it, go back and read it again. Um, and Saul Alinsky. And Saul Alinsky's book, it's excellent, it's short. Excellent in, a, in an it, insidious in, 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 way. In an insidious to way, be clear, not in a Alinsky wonderful... Alinsky was an awful human being. He was a terrible guy. But he if dedicated you want to understand, it to Satan. Yes, he did. He dedicated it to Lucifer. And if we... We, when we say it's excellent, we mean that if you want to understand the playbook the That's left it. is following, this is a book you want to read because it's all about the kind of things that we're seeing. But anyway, continue. Well, and then we have to, and you said something a minute ago, and that is we want to believe the best in our institutions. And I may have mentioned this before, but Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, and it was really good in, in its insight. We have a hard time believing wrongly about people. We have a hard time believing something's bad. We have a hard time saying, wait a second, I've got a problem here. I, yeah. I don't believe that. We want to believe that everything is okay. We want to believe that this is right and just and good. And so when we're the election deniers and we're saying, hang on a second, then we're, we're the outliers. Well, you know, it's... And it shouldn't be that way, but this it is. is a, this leads into a kind of an, another topic that may or may not interest you, but it was a conversation Lori and I were having we're having yesterday because Lori often says to me that she feels like, like she gets down on herself and she says, I'm, I'm naive. I mean, I wish I weren't naive. I feel like I'm naive. I feel like I'm naive about people. Sometimes I, you know, I, I realize this person was doing me harm or something like that. And I, I didn't see it coming or this kind of thing. And I was trying to tell Lori, you know, listen, this is to your credits. Um, I am so glad I'm not married to a cynical woman. I'm, I'm so glad that's not the case. I'm, I'm glad that you see the best in people. This is, this is to your credit. And, and the way I think of that is a little bit like this, and you'll see where I'm going with this, or at least I hope you do. One of the great compliments in the Bible, I think, is when Jesus says to Nathaniel, you know, he, he says to Nathaniel that, that he's without guile. Mm. Um, to be without guile is to be without that cynicism. You, you're, when when you're without guile, you're a person. You're you're not in, involved in, in in palace intrigue. You're not a you're not a manipulator. Um, you know, Nathaniel is a guy without guile. What you see is what you get. And what a wonderful compliment that Jesus, you know, Jesus pays him. And then in Luke 16, and we I think we've said this in a, in a previous show, but in Luke 16, Jesus says that the um, I forget the exact wording, but he says basically this that believers are not as shrewd. Mm, right. Same they're thought. not as shrewd as unbelievers. And he's telling the story of this, the dishonest manager who outwits his employer when mm -hmm. his employer tells him he's going to fire him. And uh, Jesus says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, um, the sons of light are not as shrewd in dealing with their, their own generation as are, as are unbelievers. Um, so unbelievers tend to be not without, they, they tend to have guile. They, they tend to be uh, um, um, people who, who are characterized by a, a kind of shrewdness that believers often don't possess. Yes. 
this is to the credit of the believing. And as I was explaining to Lori, this is my my own feeling because I feel like in a lot of ways I am I'm not guileless. I would love to say that I am, but I I maybe I am in 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 some regards. But I kind of think of them as, as categories of different silos, that there are areas of your life where, you know, okay, I'm naive. The, 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 the bar chart says very naive here, not very naive here, very naive here, not very naive here, you know, and so mm-hmm. on. Because to lose that naivete, it, I think it generally means you've had to be the victim of somebody on that particular subject, or at least the witness to it. And what I mean by that is this, for instance, to be without guile on, um, like for instance, what we, in our previous interview, we were talking to Ari Jacob and, um, I will never again be naive about media interviews. I've done enough of them early on. I was naive. Um, I assumed that they were honest and, um, when I would do an interview that they really were interested in me or the topic that they had invited me on the show to discuss. And I have since learned that is often not the case. I've since learned that sometimes it's a setup. So I am not guileless on, on that anymore. And that's because I've suffered from it. I've been the victim of dishonest journalists. And we could say that there are a variety of other topics where this relates to. It might be that you're, you know, that you're guileless on 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 uh, um, sexuality. You're you're guileless on, uh, of, of you know, any number of subjects. I think the American people, by and large, are guileless. That is to say, naive. Yes. About elections. So that as we're sitting here, I just got a text from a um, a South American woman who is uh, wants me to take a keen interest in some of the elections that are extremely corrupt in South America, specifically in her her own country of Brazil, which I have a great deal of interest at what's going on there. And she says that what's gone on there is what's going on in the United States. Now you see, she's not naive. She's a Brazilian. She's seen this movie before. Mm. She knows what's happening in the United States because she's witnessed it in her own country, you see. The American people haven't, well, they have been victims of it. They just don't always know. Uh, there, many are still not aware of what, what took place in 2020. But Americans still trust their institutions to a degree that they should, should not, unfortunately. Right. And the result is that in order for us to lose that naivete, we, we, we almost have to be victims. You understand what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And here's how. Um, I ran for office in our house district years ago. I made the runoff. The idea that I had to explain to people that all is not well in our capital city, that we may be in a conservative state, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these people are your friends or that they care about you or they care about the legislation that they appear to support. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is very corrupt. It is it was unbelievably difficult to explain that to people when it was over. Like my eyes had been opened so that we live in a state where people are saying, oh, our elections are clean. No, they're not. Yeah. But the idea that and you're we, talking about the state of Alabama, and I'm talking about the state of Alabama. I, I was I loved doing that. I loved the education I received by running for office. But I the, the naivete gone yeah. because I saw it for what it was. But it is very true that we still remain in that state of we are called to be like children, but that's after faith in the Lord as we are tender before him and relying on him for everything. That doesn't mean that we can't punch back. That doesn't mean that we can't be on our guard. That doesn't mean that we can't be sure. It doesn't mean any of those things. We should be. Yeah. But we're not. And so I feel that everything will be crumbling down and we'll be standing in a smoldering ruin and say, what happened? And we're like, we wake up. And see, and this is what I'm talking about when I say this. In the case of the 2020 election, it's to the credit of m- much of the American public that they didn't assume corruption. That's right. That they they didn't just immediately, you they know. They expected the best. They expected the best. But there comes a point where I think it becomes sinful, where, where listen, 
the first time around, you didn't know any better. Now you do. Now you know how they play this game. And as I say, you know, uh, former Governor Albert Brewer telling me, you know, of the, the cheating in the 68 election, the cheating continues now, it just continues in different forms. We have, I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this in my Twitter feed, but I was contacted by Dr. Um, Robert Epstein. He shot me an email or a text or something. He said, hey, Larry, can you help me get this, this uh, research out that I've done on Google? And it's too complicated for me to summarize here, but suffice it to say, Robert Epstein, Robert Epstein is a liberal, self-described liberal, voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, so he's, he's, not a, he's not a believer. Um, and, uh, but I think very highly of, of Robert Epstein. Um, Robert Epstein is a top-notch scholar, former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, Harvard PhD, um, a... a team of researchers, they've been looking at the algorithms um, of Google and the way Google works. And he says, listen, the elections are rigged. They're rigged. And he says, and the way they do it is with something he calls ephemeral. I think this is the way he describes it, ephemeral influences or something okay. like that. In other words, it's like skywriting. It's there for a moment that disappears and thus it's not really traceable. Oh, wow. But what they do is if you type in, you know, you have, you have, what do they call it? Auto suggest? Yes. Yes. So you start to type in, let's say Amy Beth Shaver as a, and, and Google maybe prioritizes because Google knows you're a conservative. It prioritizes negative responses on you. So the first page is, let's say your Wikipedia page where Matt and I have gone and have trashed you and you know, called you all kinds of, you know, dirty names. And um, it prioritizes that. We, we didn't do that, by the way. Um, it, but it she prioritizes know how to make that. Biscuits. It, but she knows how to make biscuits. <laughs> and uh, it prioritizes maybe articles that are negative mm -hmm. about you, all this kind of stuff right. for the first couple of pages so that people can't even, you know, it takes them a while. But it, it but see, it's an ephemeral, mm. meaning it, it it's only there for a moment and it's, hard to trace it has it has influenced the way you are perceived now if you type in let's say joe biden and then hit um images they're all going to be stunning images of him you know uh, almost with a halo you and you're going wow i can't find that image of him you know that was that, that went viral on uh on on Twitter where he was walking into a wall, you know, didn't seem to know where he was. And it's because it has prioritized images to put, and I'm using these in as, right. as an example, these are made up examples, um, in order to influence your thinking. But then we type in, say one on uh, Trump, and they're all goofy looking pictures, let's say, or, um, you know, things that make him look very foolish or evil or something to that effect. This is, this is what they do. And so Bob was telling me, look, um, that is Robert Epstein was telling me, look, we have to get this information out. So I, you know, I reach out to editors at American Spectator and Daily Wire and elsewhere and say, hey, guys, it's a Sunday night. I know you really don't want to fool with this but you need to publish this article. And finally, Daily Caller did. Mm. And the article went viral um, wow. it, it on beginning on Sunday night and then continued on Monday. But I don't know that it, it, it was maybe a, a day late and a dollar short. You know, you, you felt like this needed to come out a month ago. I was grateful, you know, for the research. But this is the kind of thing that we're talking about, this level of this is a kind of corruption. In other words, where big tech is involved in influencing the outcome of the election the same way that it was in 2020 when um, the information about Hunter Biden was killed. I mean, yes. this was an article by the New York Post, uh, and it was killed by big tech so that people could not see it. And then after the election, and they say, well, Joe Biden has won, then they, they you know, maybe six months later go... Well, look at that. Look at this. It turns out this this whole laptop story was true. So this is the kind of stuff that's going on. And until Republicans, until conservatives, until Christians wake up to this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and begin not just simply, 
It's not about how hard you campaign. That's right. Katie Hobbs didn't campaign. Gretchen Whitmer, uh, what's her name? Whitmer. Whitmer. She barely campaigned. Biden barely campaigned in 2020. And it's because they know, they knew the fix was in. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to do that. And I think Republicans, they just continue to be naive about this. Or in some cases, maybe a Mitch McConnell, let's say, just don't care. But the fact is, if the football game is rigged, mm. it doesn't matter. It's not about you going back and practicing harder. Until you address the integrity of, of the officiating, the outcome is predetermined before you ever take the field. You cannot win in that kind of situation. And it's time that conservatives wake up to this. And if you're one of these people who says, well, I'm just not political or I'm retired, um, or I just don't think Christians should be involved in these kinds of things. God calls you to care for the least of these. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't think that the outcome of these elections don't have a ripple effect for the unborn, um, for the widowed, uh, for the orphaned, uh, for for the the common people of not just this country, but around the world, you have to wake up to this because it absolutely matters it it's a it's this is a this is a, these are moral issues and um and what kind of country do you want to leave for your children for your grandchildren or do you just simply say look you know you know i don't plan to be on this, this earth that much longer i don't care well you need to care mm -hmm. because i think the lord cares you know i found a wonderful quote um by a guy that i think we both follow on twitter and you may know him owen strand Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's a wonderful, to everything that you just said, he says... Provost hey, at a seminary. Yes, amazing. Hey, Christian, holding back evil is good. Standing against decline is good. Preserving what is left of civilization is good. Speaking for the voiceless is good. Protecting religious liberty is good. Defending the free market is good. Securing national borders is good. Saving unborn babies is good. Preserving marriage and family is good. Stop apologizing. Depend on Christ. Keep standing. Don't quit until God turns the lights out. Boom. But I, I was like, okay, that, all of that. Yeah, and yet he gets trashed a lot. He's we follow each other on Twitter, mm -hmm. and um, he. I've, it's interesting. I've I've um, we've exchanged a couple of DMs. Um, he will get trashed a lot by the David Frenches you yes. know, of the world yes. as somehow of, of the Russell Moores, as though somehow him taking a position like that is not it's Christian. It's not holy enough. I mean, it's like, who are you to speak to these things? Yeah, exactly. We are the experts, you dummy. Yes. You're like, uh, no, have you ever... Have you ever heard him yeah. preach or speak? And that's why I defend me? NRB. That you know, NRB. Some of you listen to our show on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. This is aired on Directv. This uh, this show is aired on Directv, and uh, you've you've seen people like uh, I think it was Phil Vischer or David French, mm -hmm. one of those two, who have trashed NRB by saying that NRB is you know has gone all in on the Republican Party, this kind of stuff. I would love. I invite you now. I will debate either of them on these kinds of issues. I would I would I would relish the opportunity to discuss these issues with them because I believe the position they take is antithetical to the gospel. Mm -hmm. It is antithetical to the gospel because they are de facto supporters of an evil regime, of an evil agenda. That's right. And so we take the position that we take here not because listen, my politics, my political views are not are not determined for me by the Republican Party. They're determined for me uh, by my Christian views, which are anchored in the gospel as articulated in his word, in scripture. And so where I disagree with the Republican Party or any party, um, or anything for that matter, it's to the degree that it differentiates from my understanding of God's holy word. So that matters to me very much. And part of that is standing in the gap. And you're standing in the gap, not because I'm trying to preserve some way of life per se. It's because we are trying to preserve unborn life. We're trying to preserve um, uh, opportunity for our children. We're trying to preserve religious freedom, political freedom, freedom of speech. These things, I believe, have their anchor mm. in a Judeo 
Christian worldview. And by golly, I'm going to defend them <laughs> to my dying breath because I believe that's what my calling is. I believe that's what my God would have me do. That's right. So as you can tell, I'm pretty amped up over this today. Could be because of the Krispy Kreme donuts and the biscuits today. The combination <laughs> spears to a bit. It's exactly as we planned. <laughs> But you are exactly right. You know, I was thinking. I think when about, I went to the bathroom, you dropped a little speed, you know, into uh, into my coffee this morning. Maybe or the your water bottle. I, I who knows? Who knows what happened? No, you're exactly right. And I think it's interesting. I've been listening over the past couple of days, and then also reflecting on the Marxist um, theology that we've talked about over yeah. the last several months. And I'm thinking, you know, it's interesting because somebody invoked the name of Karl Marx yesterday, and I thought, you know, he saw a problem and he filled it in with his own religion, and it's very pathetic that there are people who um, claim Christianity or claim religion and they're following that. They're following that ideology and they're asking that we do the same. Yes. And this is mind-boggling to me um, that you would be against those who would support life, which, by the way, I would like to remind everybody, you have to be alive first to do any of these things, Yeah. to defend liberty, to defend marriage, to defend our borders. All of those things are done to preserve. But I also heard something excellent by Jeff Myers, and this is back in the summer. I drive, I listen a lot. He said, we're voting for the people who are, we're, we're not holding our, nosing, holding our nose and voting for those. Um, you, you, you know, we've often said, well, I'm just going to hold my nose and vote. This is terrible. I'm not, I'm, you know, ugh, it's gross. No, what we're doing is we're voting for those who will do the least amount of evil. Yeah. This is what we're for, is for the least amount of evil. And whoever's going to do that, I am for you, yeah. beginning with being alive first. Yeah. And then we go from there. But you're right. It is all about the gospel. That is what informs our belief. It's really simple. We've made it hard. It's not hard. No, it isn't hard. And I mean, listen, the, the arguments that you see some of these type make are inane. They will say, they will say, I mean, honestly, they're biblically illiterate arguments. Yes, they're agree. arguments like this, but they sound so sophisticated that what we're looking for in our political leaders, and then they'll lay out the qualifications, essentially the qualifications of an elder in the church. Right. To which I respond, there is a difference between our secular leaders and, and our, our church leaders. Secondly, what do you make of Esther appealing to to King Xerxes on behalf of the a, a pagan, a pagan king who, by the way, went through a host of virgins in a single night to determine which one he was, you know, he was going to marry and uh, and make his. In, in other words, pagan to his core. Right. Yet Esther appeals to him because Mordecai, you know, appeals to her to do so. She goes to the king and tells them of Haman's plot against the Jews. She asks him to intervene. He does. How, how are we to, I mean, God has used pagan kings throughout history and the appeal to defend his own people. And uh, they appeal to them, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, Cyrus. I mean, we have so many biblical examples of this. Paul appealing to Caesar. Well, how about Ruth and Boaz? And she's going in to unfold the the gar his bed garment and said, "Don't let anybody know you're in this here." This is a family and this, show. Then this is <laughs> Jesus is in that line. Yeah. Okay, but it is so well, hypocritical. Yeah, for sure. You know, it is Bathsheba is in the line of Bathsheba. Hello. Um, I would like to talk to her someday. Anyway, so you... I think she's a pretty remarkable woman. I think she probably was. Yeah. But it, it, it's unbelievably hypocritical that they're like, unless it's Jesus. Yeah, of course. I can't vote for them. And um, and it's unless it's and Jesus. And the result is, the result is Come they end up supporting on. gender trans... They become de facto supporters of gender transition surgeries, of Marxism, of... Every kind of evil under drag queen shows for preschoolers. That's right. Of every kind of evil under the sun because they're that pompous. They're that pompous. They cannot see the forest for the trees. I am sick of these people. Again, donuts and biscuits, the something we found the magic for Larry, everyone. <laughs> it's like Yay! it's like it's like Mentos and Coca-Cola. <laughs> that was very fun, by the way. You remember when you were in high school, oh, you're yeah. like, look at this. 
and then shooting anyway, that off. Yeah. Anyway, Larry, Absolutely. Today, Apparently everyone. that's that's what's happened today. But as you can see, I'm a little amped up today. But but you're right. I mean, the bottom line is you're right. And you know what? Most people are sick of the pomp and yes. circumstance that they are issuing to us as if they've issued and some of these Mitch McConnell like the leaders. Lord. <laughs> Come on, Christian fellow warrior, wake up. Let me let me throw this out there. You had said that uh, I don't know if it's during the show or during the break, but that Chris had been your husband, Chris, uh, Doctor Chris, had been listening to um, our discussions on the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And by the way, those articles which I published, a series of four with the Daily Wire, are now available for free on our website, the Larry Alex. Taunton website, LarryAlexTaunton.com. You can find them all there. Daily Wire has a paywall. paywall. I don't. I just ask you to support the work. But what we're talking about happening here fits into that discussion. Indeed. Because what we're seeing happening, for instance, in South America, Venezuela socialist, it fell some time ago to the socialists. Colombia, an up-and-coming uh, democracy fell to the socialists, the Marxists, in May of this year. Now, Brazil, all of these look like very suspicious elections. And by the way, the, the chosen man in Brazil to follow, um, suddenly his name's gone out of my head, but the previous um, Brazilian president, he's a World Economic Forum guy. He's a, he's a hand-picked guy. Their candidate won there. It's the same kind of tactics you're seeing in American government, meaning I think the World Economic Forum is a at a higher level. This is, a, this is part of the discussion of what's going on here, and it's very, very real. And uh, I'm still... I'm still kind of, there's more to that World Economic mm-hmm. Forum discussion to be had. I know I wrote the four articles. I'm planning to go to Davos uh, at their annual gathering in Switzerland in uh, in January. If viewers like you make that possible and support the work of Fixed Point Foundation, that's what I plan to do. And also monitoring pretty closely some of the things that are going on in South America that relate to this. But this these are globalists yes, they are. who are pushing this. And hence the reason that... There are two great enemies of the globalist agenda. The first is the Christian faith. Amen. The first is the Christian faith because the Christian faith, um, Christians are by definition rebels. And I'm really kind of quoting loosely uh, Francis Schaeffer when I say this in How Should We Then Live? He, He says something to the effect of, uh, that the Roman government immediately identified Christians as um, as enemies of the state, and they did because um, no totalitarian or authoritarian regime can tolerate a people who say that they have an absolute universal standard by which all men and their governments are to be judged. Mm-hmm. And see, the Christian faith does because we say that we the state is not our um, our highest law. We adhere to a law that is above that of the state. And we we judge the state according to to those laws, right. to according to God's laws. It was on this basis that America was founded, um, because the Declaration of Independence is not appealing to British law. It's saying, listen, we know this is the law of the land in Britain. We just think they're immoral laws. Why? Because we appeal to a higher law. The abolitionists did the same thing. Law of the land says that slavery is legal, but we appeal to God's law. God's law says. This is these are illegitimate laws. Well, you see, totalitarian authoritarian regimes can't tolerate people like that mm. because they're always they're they're potential subversives. And that's why in uh, in in Pliny the uh, the Younger's letter to Trajan, the Emperor Trajan, very famous correspondence, he's writing to, and this is early second century um, AD. He writes to Trajan and he says, listen, um, I, you know, I, I need your counsel on how we are to, to judge these Christians. He says, you know, we place your image in front of them and we tell them to worship it because we're told that Christians can't do that. They can only worship um, their own God. And if they, they worship the image, then we turn them loose. If they refuse to do it, we ask them a second time to worship it. If they then refuse to do it, we execute them. And he says, is this, is this 
appropriate procedure. Trajan basically says, carry on. It sounds to me like you're following a wise policy. The state creates a kind of pantheon of gods where it says, oh, we'll tolerate Christianity, provided it's a Christianity that isn't threatening. It's a toothless Christianity. It's a Christianity that doesn't condemn genderism. It's a, it's a, a Christianity that doesn't condemn Marxism. It's a Christianity that doesn't uh, uh, condemn the sexualization of children. If you guys gather on Sunday mornings and, you know, and, and it's this milk toast kind of, we tolerate that. We'll, we'll place your God in our pantheon of other gods. We'll have all of them on display, provided that all of you acknowledge the state as the absolute, you see. So the World Economic Forum is, is fundamentally anti-Christian. So that's one thing that they're against. The second thing is patriotism, love of one's own country. So hence the reason you see all the negativity that if, you're, if you are a, you know, you're a patriot, you're a nationalist, and therefore a fascist. You're just, you know, you, you, you just as well wear a Nazi, you know, armband. Hence the attacks on um, American history, this toppling of statues, the retelling, uh, the revising of American history, and the attacks on just this year, you know, that the the Fourth of July celebrations, the mocking of, you know, say songs like Lee Greenwood's. What's the name of the song? God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Uh, boy, that's a double whammy right there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's patriotism and Christianity all rolled into one. So these are things they simply can't tolerate. So these are the things that are that that are uh, the efforts to destroy them under the the acids of cynicism mm-hmm. to reinterpret them as negatively as possible. And where in the world are these things to be found most of all? The United States. So the United States is the keystone over, over the doorway right. that they must destroy. Because so long as the United States remains firm, as long as the United States remains red versus blue, the globalist agenda cannot move forward. And and so I'm I'm just putting that on on the radar of, mm-hmm. of people. We 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 won't go into all that detail here today, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just putting that out there for you to help you see and pay attention to what's happening here because all of these, these, um, these threads, they connect. They absolutely do, and I appreciate you connecting the dots. These dots connect, not threads, they, but they, anyway, You yes. do. You've connected the dots, and I think that's very important because I think once you see the whole picture, once you see the forest and the, well, the trees and then the forest, you go, oh, this makes sense, which is an even greater impetus to then go, no, thank you. Yep. With all that we are, with all that we have, because it is right. I don't think the left, pardon me, um, Amy Beth, I don't think the left really, I mean, there are many on the left who do because it's their lifestyle, but I don't think the real, um, shall we say, uh, um, those in the think tank on the left necessarily care anything about gender transition surgeries and this kind of thing. What they want, which came out of the Frank Frankfurt School, which I noticed you were casually throwing around in a in a Latimer House lunch, and very impressively, um, it, the, the Frankfurt School. <laughs> but what came out of the Frankfurt School is a way to destroy the United States. They decided was through sexual uh, sex education in schools yes. because they decided that Christianity was the core. You know. Um, I, I said this in one of these uh, these articles on the World Economic Forum uh, for Daily Wire. I, I quoted uh, Neil Ferguson, uh, mm-hmm. the Harvard historian, Oxford PhD, who wrote a book called Civilization, the West, and the Rest, who is, by the way, an atheist. He says, he quotes a Chinese scholar who says, we've discovered that that the the strength of your culture is the Christian faith. Well, the Frankfurt School discovered that too, and they said that the way to destroy it, they decided... In order to make America susceptible to Marxist, receptive to Marxist ideas, we have to first destroy the Christian faith. And the way to do that is through sex education in schools, because if you can destroy America's fundamental ethic, starting with their children, 
then you can destroy the whole culture. That, that's the crack in the concrete, which you can then slip a, you know, a, a, a crowbar into and bust up the whole right. thing. And see, that's what this is about. It's about this. If you call it good, we're going to call it evil. If you call it evil, we're going to call it good. If you call it man, we'll call it woman. You call it woman, we'll, we'll call it man. That's, that's what this is all about. You see, it's to destroy your your political, your, excuse me, your cultural touchstones, your political heroes, your historical heroes, we're going to destroy them. Your religion, going to destroy them. Your, your ethics, we're going to destroy them. Everything that you hold dear, we're going to subvert in order to make you um, susceptible to, more receptive to a new ethic. And that ethic will be the one that we, the state, will decide for you. That's what's going on. Oh, I tell you what, the, the and um, because you're on, fi- we're gonna just stop right there. Krispy Kreme, perfect timing. Okay, Krispy Kreme and donuts. And uh, I mean, donuts and biscuits <laughs> and coffee. Shazam! Loads of coffee. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. You know what? Uh, great discussion. Look forward to next time. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been the Larry Alex Totten Show. Uh, we will see you next time. Turn out the light. The party's over. They say that all. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful for the standing ovation, but there will be no encore for today's performance. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion. Thank you. Honey, can we leave now?